On today's show, um, we talk about back to school, being gentle on oneself, and Kathy does a little bit of, I don't know, personal growth work maybe? Yeah. I, I, I work through something with Todd's support. So hopefully you guys enjoy it. My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 672. Why well, listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And always remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being, is a parent's self-understanding. Um, on today's show, what is the topic? I have some things I want to share beforehand, but just do a tease. Uh, being gentle. Oh, all right. Being gentle. Don't you like that word? Row, row, row your boat. Gently. Down the stream. Um, I don't know if we're going to go a whole hour. We usually go an hour, but we have, uh, we're going to be on Ali Solomon's podcast at some point, And the interview takes place this afternoon. Dr. Alexandra Solomon, Todd. Yes. Professional name. Dr. Alexandra Solomon. Solomon. Yeah. She's got a really good podcast called Reimagining Love. Um, it's pretty popular already. She's started maybe a year ago, but it, um, she has a lot of great guests, um, and it's just really good. So we're excited to be on it. Um, don't forget that the best way you can say thank you to us is simply telling a friend about this podcast or, you know, social media stuff, whatever floats your boat. Um, and then an announcement, uh, Kathy and I, at least I, maybe Kathy is going to do a NAMI walk on September 17th, I think. So, uh, well, as we discussed, that's the girls' homecoming. So oh, I may right. have to do help them get ready for homecoming. You might have to do braids. <laughs> yeah, they're, I think they're going to want a braid. Is that, that, that bad? That, that, well, that's a long time ago. I think. I mean, I don't think that's what they're going to want to do. Um, they want to do a blowout. Um, y- y- probably it's just one of those days where do you need to, like my oldest is a senior, so she can drive herself and she probably won't need us except for pictures, but there's also pictures. And then my youngest is a freshman. Like who knows? It's, it's all up in the air. It's one of those days that we actually planned three things on the same day and all of them are a little, there's, they're circulating in the air. I just tried to do a, a YouTube search on Nick Miller, uh, his take <laughs> on blowout. So Nick Miller is a character from New Girl. <laughs> And he has this really funny quote that I can't pull up right now where he's like, you're basically paying somebody to create a problem just to fix it. <laughs> Nick Miller. Can you explain what a blowout is, sweetie? A blowout? Yeah. It's where you you pay someone uh, to blow dry your hair. And if someone else is blow drying your hair, then it's done in a way where it's all even and it's full. And because it's very hard to do your own hair. Do you know what I mean? Like you were just upstairs when I was blow drying my hair and it's very hard for me to like brush it and, and blow it under. Got it. Um, I do the best I can, but if someone else is doing it, especially a professional, then your hair just looks so much better. <laughs> so there's a part of me that thinks that if I blew out your hair, it would look really similar to the way the professionals blow out oh your hair. Oh my God. That is so, that's insanity. Like that's like, that's such a funny it's not like an egotistical thing. I think it's a little more of like you don't notice things um, because you probably would think it looked good. Yeah. But the way that my hair looks after. after How about this? Yeah. If I observed somebody uh-huh. doing a blowout on your hair once, uh-huh. I have a feeling I'd be able to duplicate it. I doubt that. Do you understand brushes yes. and how they work? Do brushes you understand comb which way to the go? Hair. Okay. Yes. There's all sorts of aspects to it. And you want to make sure that you're given due respect to the um, people that do that, to human beings who go to school to learn how to do hair. And they spend years and years and years, you know, honing that craft. So it's a little more difficult. That's like someone saying, I just watched someone do a podcast and I could do it myself. How would you feel about that? Well, actually, people do do that. <clears throat> yeah, it happens all the time. <laughs> um, but. Not the same. So anyways, a quick few tidbits, and then we're going to talk about gentle. Um, before you move on, because yeah. I know you're going to move on to two, two things that I wanted to say. One that I thought was kind of funny, speaking of podcasting, is I was listening to um, Chelsea Handler's podcast, and it was an old one with Anna Ferris. It was probably, I don't know, months ago. Um, but they are, or it's Anna Ferris, actually. I noticed she said Anna. Um, and they were talking about podcasting and, you know, Chelsea was saying how much she enjoyed podcasting and saying to Anna, like, you were the very first podcaster. You know, you are the OG. You've been podcasting. You were at the very beginning. What does OG stand for, by the way? Like, I mean, there's a, the old guard, the, okay. um, you know, the, Got it. uh, it, it, just the, the very first, the original, the original, that's basically it. Um, 
And she was, you know, she kept saying this. And then all of a sudden she was like, yep, I've been doing this since 2015. And I literally laughed out loud because you and I have been podcasting since 2011. Right. And we were not the first... You were not the first female podcaster, even though we were earlier. No, I was definitely There's probably not. thousands of podcasts that happened in 2011, but now there's millions or hundreds. Of well, thousands. yeah, like it was a it, it's funny because there's part of me that has a lot of pride about it. But there's also part of me that realizes our age. Yeah. Um, like, for example, the I was looking at our um, every week we get sent something from Chartable about our stats and how we're charting in every country. And, you know, just they give you all these things. And I was actually looking at it. I usually don't like look through it, but I was looking at the stats of the people who listen. And now I don't know when this shift happened, but the majority of people who listen to our show are younger than us. Mm. That's because we got old. Right. So it's like they're not that much younger, like four or five years. But my point is it's like 35 to 49 is like 60% of our listeners. Yeah. And then the next category is our age. Yeah. And then that's the next big. We have about 10% of um, 18 to 25-year-olds, which I think is really great. Yeah, it's because we're personal growth, self-help. Right, uh, college kids. Yeah. yeah, they really like it. And then, um, you know, and then there's people who are older than us and everywhere in between. But I just was like, oh, that's so interesting. Like, we've been doing this long enough that there's people who have just had kids. You know, we're kind of, you know, we have teenage kids or, you know, they're becoming adults, put it that way. They're growing up. And so I thought that was interesting. Um, oh, and then the other thing is, I want to say thank you. Um, last week I asked uh, you guys to, if you have read my book, Zen Parenting, and you feel like you can give it a five-star review, to go to Amazon and do that. And I noticed that three of you did. So thank you for doing that. And anybody else, please do, because your five-star reviews make a huge difference. Um, again, like we talked about last week, it's just a... If you haven't done it it's yet... It's just a thing. Time to, just, time to wake up. It's just a thing. And I'm writing another book and all these little pieces play out whether or not I can get the next book published, yeah. right? So if you don't give us a five-star review. <laughs> well, and what I always say is if you feel you can. I'm not telling it people who don't feel they can to go do it. But if you're like, oh, yeah, I love that book. I want to give it a five-star review. Then go do it. Um, and then for those of you who don't feel you can, you know, just uh, you can just... Just, <laughs> just hold on to that one. You know what I mean? Yeah. Are you ready to move on? I'm ready if you're ready. <laughs> I'm ready. Um, a few quick takes. All right. Um, I don't know if everybody knows what Cameo is. I do. We, we use it all the time. Briefly explain what Cameo is and how we have used it. Okay. Name a few people. Cameo rocks because it's this thing where people who are famous in many different ways. I mean, some are in the entertainment industry, some are athletes, comedians, all these kind of things. Some are local you know, YouTubers, whatever. Um, they are on Cameo and you can ask them to do like a, a couple minute video for somebody's birthday or for, you know, an anniversary or something. And they're super cool and personal. And it's just crazy because we have used them for our girls' birthdays um, over the last four or five years. And let's name a few. Um, we have... D-Money um, from Modern Family. We, yeah, we had Dylan from Modern Family. And then we had Gus from Psych. I'm using their, not their Characters. real names, but their character names um, because our girls have always loved Psych. And so, and he did... Um, an amazing one. Tell me Gus's real name. I'm forgetting. Um, look it up really quick. Um, we know his name because he's in the, Dulé, he's in the West Dulé. Wing. Dulé, Dulé Hill. Yeah. He did this really, it was during the pandemic when my daughter was turning 18 or 17. I can't remember which year it was. And he did this like five minute video for her about how she needs to keep going and recognize that, you know, the pandemic is just an obstacle and it's going to help her. And he and I had told him in the note that I wrote to him her favorite episode on psych. And he said, like, quotes from it. What and was it the was quote so, that he said? Um, oh, no. Oh, no. And, and it wouldn't be funny to people because you have to see the whole episode and you have to understand Gus on psych and what he's like. Um, but he is he's, he was just so good. And, and I would say everybody we've had has been really good. We also had Mo Collins from Parks and Rec. Um, she did one for Moment Sky. Time, please. I think the guys would like what? to tell you... <gasps> Dorian Creech is dead? 
Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. He's that, like, tone it, tone it down. That will not, Sean's like, stop. That won't be funny to anybody except for the psych fans. I but know. if you're a psych fan, you're enjoying that clip. Yeah. So we've, and then our last one, our favorite one, uh, our recent one is we, uh, those of you who listen to this show or our pop culturing podcast know that we love Mike Flanagan's. Um, everything Mike Flanagan does, he's a director. And Midnight Mass from last year um, had uh, one of our favorite actors. We call him Saracen. Saracen, because he was on Friday Night Lights. And his name is... Why is my brain... Because it's Monday morning, so we I give know. yourself a break. Well, anyway, he plays Riley in Midnight Mass. And he did one for Cameron, our daughter. And it was so, again, so personal. And it was about him and his daughter and... You know, I wrote some things about Cameron and he was just really positive. And, and again, I know I'm very aware that these people get paid to do these things. It's not like I'm, but they Actually, do a Dooley, great job. Actually, Hill donates all of his proceeds to charity. All oh. Of them. oh. I don't think they all do that. But a lot of them do. The bigger mm-hmm. names do yeah. because they don't want to be looked at as probably, you know, it being a money grab. Yeah. Um, because some of them are really expensive. Some of them are like, you know, a couple hundred dollars, but it's some, and some of them are cheaper than that. So the reason I bring it up is because the cameo now has something new. Wait, Zach Guilford is his name I, because go. he's an Evanston boy too. So yeah. I want to make sure. And I we're give about him props. to go to Evanston, so we might see him. <laughs> if we run into him, we have to remember his name. Okay, go ahead. Cameo now lets you have ten minute calls with celebs. Stop. So first of all, it sounds like a great idea, but really think about it. I think it's an awful idea. I don't want to do that. Yeah. Would that be like totally awkward? Like, first of all, you know they don't want to be there. <laughs> Second of all, if it's somebody you admire, you might get tongue-tied. Like, what what are you really going to gain from being on a phone call with mm. them or a FaceTime with them for 10 minutes? Mm. That I, I don't think it's a good idea. Yeah. I, as someone who's not a fan of small talk, I think it would be pretty challenging. Right? I think the only way that it would be decent is if it really was somewhat one-sided where like say because like one of my girlfriends did one for her daughter uh this character from glee yeah and she did this kind of long video for her daughter before she was going to camp and it was really like motivational and like you can do this and so if it's them basically saying listen let me tell you a story mm-hmm. and it was kind of like where you didn't have to converse yeah. you were just listening well no this is a phone call sweetie i know but do you know what i know it's a phone call but it's they take the lead I think it's like, I don't know, maybe there's some framework around it. Yeah. It just sounds like it would be like three minutes of awkward, maybe 60 seconds of, oh, that's kind of cool. And then you don't know how to, and you don't know how to click, say goodbye or close the conversation. Soups awk. Um, <laughs> and then lastly, before we get into gentle, because we're already 12 minutes in. Yeah. Todd's, Todd's always telling us where we are time-wise. Uh, 10% of... Girls in the UK can't afford menstrual products with nearly 140,000 missing school due to period poverty. Mm. I don't know what pe- period poverty is. It means they don't have enough money to Pads, access tampons. what they need. Yeah, which so is... they have to stay home, Yeah, which is crazy. In 2020, Scotland's parliament approved legislation to make menstrual products free and available in public spaces. Of course. So let me give some uh, applause to Scotland. Building on existing policy that offer free pads and tampons at schools and universities. But here's a... Here's the catch. They selected former tobacco salesman and fitness trainer Jason Grant to raise awareness around the new law Hmm. and promote access to free menstrual products at schools and communities. I think that might be best suited for a woman. (laughs) Martina Navratilova tweeted that having a man as a period dignity officer was nothing short of ridiculous. And Scottish columnist Susan... Delgady said, wonder if he's ever experienced a horror of bloodstained dress in public or the gut-wrenching fear of missed period. I don't think so. So kudos to Scotland. Might want to give a female yeah, that why job. Is, why is that such a difficult thing? Why is anybody <laughs> like, yeah, the best person to talk about the menstrual cycle and everything we experience and the emotional aspect and the physical aspect is a man. I thought it that was makes no sense. comical. It is. And you know what? What I will say about that is when I hear that, of course, I'm like, amazing. And I'm like standing up and cheering. both and. And I'm also like, of course. Like, the fact that women have to, like, and again, I know we're probably people like, but we've got to buy toilet paper. We've got to buy, you know, it's not that there's anything 
special necessarily. Well, yes, it is special. It's something that we are, let me say it this way so I don't get myself into a bind. Oftentimes they are expensive. Mm -hmm. And if anyone knows what a pink tax is, Mm -hmm. they are often more than your average thing. Sweetie, don't forget about my boner pills. I need my (laughs) boner pills covered by insurance. This is a family show. Sorry, erection pills. Call them, yeah, ED pills. uh, Sarah Silverman used that phrase, which is why it comes to be. (laughs) I know, but why it's so funny is because- I need those to be covered by insurance, sweetie. You need them to be covered by insurance. You need to have- easy access. You need the prescription to be easy. And eventually it's not going to need a prescription because all men are going to feel like they're entitled to it. So it's very interesting when we talk about these things, as far as when it comes to Roe v. Wade or menstrual cycles or whatever, and it's, everything is more difficult for women, but when it comes to ED, let's make this as easy for you as possible. We need to put a tax on your tampons and your pads because the government needs that money. And you girls need to pay for it. Yeah. And that's the thing is I know we live in a capitalist society. I understand that things are, you know, it's all about making money and everything. It's just these are not choices we have. Like every month, you know, I live in a home with it's me and three girls. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is something where we have to spend a lot of money. Yeah. And um, we there's don't. A lot of, there's a lot of periods going on over in the Adams family household. Yes. Yeah. We, there's a lot of we are a very the Adams uh Kasani, McFadden, Jivenin, these are all of our family members. Um, it's a very matriarchal yeah, family. Yeah, there's only three dudes in it, mm-hmm. me, Drew, and Max. And then your brother, because I'm including oh, him, yeah, and, the, and then your dad. Yeah, that guy, um, Forgot about those two. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking of the dad. But then we have so many other family members, and it, we're, it's all women. And, you know, because my dad's not, you know, alive anymore. And it's just really, it's just very female heavy. Yes, um, okay, so I'm wondering if you can build in your Zen parenting moment with the topic at sure, hand. Sure, absolutely. So just real quick, you did a Zen parenting moment. The way you subscribe is go to our website or go into the show notes. Yeah, just scroll down. Kathy wrote one on Friday called Back to School, and the quote that you offered is, what we need to remember as a working practice is to honor all griefs, honor all losses, small and not small, life-changing and moment-changing. I love and that's it. from Megan Devine, who wrote... It's okay that you're not okay. Which is one of my favorite grief books of all time, by the way. Uh, anybody who's experiencing big grief, little grief, grief in between, overall grief, uh, that book is really helpful. Yeah. Um, but I wrote this because there's this week that I know a lot of, like the Chicago Public Schools um, or some Chicago schools are going back this week. We went back last week. Uh, some people I noticed on Facebook went back a week before we did. So basically it's back to school time. And I heavily dislike this time of year, and I have for 19 years. <laughs> um, and maybe possibly my whole life, which is why I'm feeling it internally so much. It's a um, bigger reaction yeah. because there may be some childhood stuff going yeah, on there. I think so. As I'm like talking about it, I'm realizing it's not just parenting. It's always been difficult. And I am not someone who disliked school necessarily. I, I actually really enjoyed high school. Um, and I don't remember, I mean, that's not true. I had a lot of anxiety about school, but I also wanted to go back. My point is I think most people feel that way. They feel like, of course, school has all these benefits to it and it's the law and we have to go and I, my kid likes their sport or their activity or, you know, but the beginning, the starting of the year is so hard. And, and the reason for me and the reason why is because it's a huge transition and it's also a written, this is what I wrote in the Zen Parenting Moment, it's a really focused moment where you realize the passage of time. Mm. And it's like you can kind of go through life and be like, oh yeah, my kids are growing up or whatever. But when your kid is starting a new grade or graduating or having their last year or beginning preschool or whatever it is, it's very punctuated. It's very um, emotional. And not that I necessarily shy away from emotions um, because they're- You don't? They're- (laughs) They're on me all the time. The emotions are are in me and on me. But there's something... On you, in you, through you. <laughs> all around you. It's been a mess for... Not a mess. I don't like that. I've been emotional the last couple of weeks. But I think it's important. I know you're still getting your point. But yeah, the passage ahead. of time is like the... For, ch- for parents, 
children and grades are like a benchmark. Correct. For her. Because if we didn't have kids, you'd be like, oh, when did that happen? And I'd say, oh, I think JC was in fifth grade. Right. Like, but if we didn't have kids, I'd be like, I don't. I don't know I what don't know. year. Right. So it's almost like having kids forces you into having some type of perspective on, not perspective, but um, I, I like benchmarks. Relationship with time a little differently. Well, what did I just talk about the other day? And I said it was a couple years ago. Yeah, you always say it's a couple years you go, ago. And it was like, yeah, JC was eight. <laughs> you go, that was, a couple years ago was COVID. Yeah, right. You're like, you're talking about a decade ago. Yeah. And it made me just, I just do that all the time. I'm like, it was a few years ago. And then, like you said, my kid who's like almost 20 was like eight years old. So just, you know, going off of that, Todd, is that I have to then feel... Not only my regular feelings, but the the grief or of transition. And not only is it, it, and sometimes there's just years that are heavy. Like last year was my daughter going to college, and you know That's that was of, really one hard. Of the big ones, yeah, um, that was my first kid going to college. This year, I had to take my my girl back to college. And then now I have another daughter who's a senior. So it's her last year, and that's full of emotion. And then I have a daughter who started high school and that's full of emotion. So everything is so like, oh, like I'm feeling it in my in my back right now as I talk about it. There's just so much in it that feels exciting, um, anxiety provoking, sad. Um, and then you and I are, you know, getting older, getting older. You know, I'm 51. Todd is 50. Just got his first shingle shot. Yay, me. I don't even know what shingles really are, but I'm like, all right, whatever. And that's what's just so funny is like, here we are, um, you know, like just going through this. Um, So I just wanted to write that because I think a lot of when we look on social networking, we talk to our friends and we hear a lot of things like, oh, I can't wait for kids to go back to school or, you know, I'm just tired of them in the house or they're driving me crazy or they're on their screens. All that's true. But then sometimes for those of us who feel sad um, we then feel our grief isn't justified or we think there's something wrong with us. And I just want you guys to know that I feel like, again, doing this podcast for 11 years, every year I talk about this transition, that I really struggle with it. And that part of it is it, it there's nothing in it that I necessarily need to solve. I just need to honor the fact that the passage of time, while I'm grateful for it and I'm I'm excited for what's to come, before I can be comfortable with what is going to happen, you know, what is, I have to grieve what was. And I I'm, I need to do that. So my example is, um, you know, we're talking about grief. And um, I, the way I define sadness is something needs to be let go of. Right. Okay. That okay. makes sense. Okay. Something I, needs to, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fear is something needs to be known that's unknown. Anger means some, that a boundary has been crossed. Joy means something that has to be celebrated. Sadness or grief is something needs to be let go of. And my example is uh, when we dropped off our college age daughter last year as a freshman, I was a total mess. Mm-hmm. And I, and this year I wasn't. And I, and doesn't mean I love my daughter any less going into her sophomore year than her freshman year. Obviously, I love her just as much. The difference is I have had one full year to adjust that this young woman who I knew since she was born uh-huh. is, 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 has been an adult on her own in college for a year. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think the reason I had such a hard time last year, which is very typical, I'm not blaming myself, I'm not criticizing myself, it was actually quite beautiful that I was well, able to... I would be more afraid if you didn't. Right. You know what I mean? So, but I think what I needed to let go of last year is that JC is no longer this young... Like I still, there's parts of me that still viewed her as like this elementary school student mm, yeah, or this preschooler yeah, or this high schooler. So I needed to let go. And some of my emotional expression, I think, happened. It's because I needed to let go that this young girl is now a college-aged woman. Mm-hmm. But so I've had a year to adjust that. So when I dropped her off this go-around, there was less that I needed to let go of, which meant that it didn't have as much sadness attached to it. Yeah. And so two thoughts about that. Number one, I appreciate the fact of I, there's nothing wrong with saying letting go. Um, I think that it, to add to that, like if I put a comma between it, or 
I would say, or acknowledge. Because sometimes sadness doesn't need to be let go. It just needs to be acknowledged. Like I still have, I can't let go of my sadness about my daughter not living here. Mm -hmm. I can't let go of the sadness that my dad has passed. Mm -hmm. I can't let go of the sadness of of things that have happened, but I can acknowledge it. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, Because letting go is like that you're going to release it and not feel it again. But there are definitely times this summer where you probably were like, oh, I know it because you said it. Mm -hmm. You're like, I don't want, you know, I'm sad that Mm -hmm. you're going back. Yeah. I think it was more my, I feel like I'm using the term letting go a little bit differently than you are. I think it's more about there was a part of my brain that still thought that she was five years old. So you had to transition. There was a transitionary yeah. grief. Yeah. Like, this is real. And the reality showed up when we walked through that long, terrible parking lot. Got it. And I just need... And that's when we said goodbye and everybody was crying, except for JC, pretty much. Yeah. Like, she was crying a little bit, but the four of us were having the hardest time. I think the college student is in shock. Yeah. I think that there... Right. One thing she and I talked about with even going back this year, because she's super nervous. She's mm-hmm. living in a new place. Mm-hmm. You know, she, you know, she's got this group of best friends and they're all kind of in different places right now. I mean, they're close, mm-hmm. but they're not living in the exact same place like last year everything is new and her classes are new and her major is new and she's the expectation is new so i don't think you ever go back and then are like oh now this is easy and same with us you know Mm -hmm. i think us when i i feel you know like she called the other night and was like you know i don't feel that great my throat hurts or whatever and that stresses me out just as much as it did when she was eight (laughs) you know what i mean like i still have a reaction to my kid needs help i think that one of the things that that was helpful this time, and it kind of made me, it makes me laugh because it was a very Todd um, thing, is that we went to help her move in and we actually did really well. We got the three of us totally cranked it out because mm-hmm. there was a lot of work to do. And but it was only one day, and then we were we took her to the grocery store, filled you know got her fridge, and then we were heading home, and I needed to eat, and then Todd's like, well, I want to eat at a different place, so I got a salad somewhere, and then Todd's like, I got to go to Chick Fil A. And she was like, she needed to get home. Yeah. So she was kind of like annoyed. And so it's easier to leave when your kid's just a little annoyed at you. <laughs> because she had to go somewhere. She had to go. And it, yeah, that did make it a lot easier. It did because she's like, okay, I got, I got to, yeah, you know. And so I think you and I were able to leave knowing she's got plans, she's busy. And she has a foundation. It's time for us to go. Well, and I think my point is like, so when we dropped her off last year, it was like a forced adjustment. Yeah. Like, no and, choice. And there will probably be another one if or when she decides to get married. I know that there's going to be a person that is really important in her life to decide to create a life together. Yeah. And I have a feeling that that's going to be, I'm going to have to let go of that. And sure. there's going to be more tears around that. Sure. Because that's a new it's a new adjustment that I don't have to deal with yet. I still know that you and I are kind of like her caretakers, but mm-hmm. the minute you decide to marry somebody, mm-hmm. there's or somebody else someone. in charge yeah. of mm-hmm. being that direct line of support. So that's going to be sad. Yeah. And it, and it affects us because then they become family members, you know, it just becomes a, a, a new thing. And I think I'll feel that way. You know, we have so many more steps, sure. like, first of all, to have like a, a, you know, and I know a lot of you have like spread out families, but to have a kid in college, then have a kid starting high school, you're kind of like spread all over the place. And we have friends who like one of my best friends who has six kids, she has a kid who's, you know, a college age has been for a few years. And then she has a kid who's like in second or third grade, I can't remember which one. So she's like way spread. But it's like, you have to keep you, you it's, it's like hard to keep your heart focused in all the different places because you're going through a lot of different grieving, you know, kind of like there's all these transitions and you're trying and there really isn't a try to it. It's just an acknowledgement of recognize how many places you're feeling, like how, how many, and they're not bad things. They just, here's the thing that is most important about Zen parenting. Paradox. Two things are happening at once. When I dropped my kid off at college, I could not be more psyched for her. I know that change is supposed to happen. That's like in the article I wrote, you know, one of the sentences, I know change is good. This is the way it's supposed to be. I know, I know. Because everyone's always, as soon as I start to share why it's hard, people try and tell me why it's not supposed to be hard. Mm -hmm. And in paradox is I'm excited for you. And I'm also grieving this change. And, And anybody who's like, one-sided. They're only one side of the coin. 
um, that's not that's not balanced. That's not reality. Um, or to me, it isn't. I guess there's someone who could argue their point of they're only sad or they're only happy. But there is usually a lot of feelings going on at once. It's like a big ball of feelings. I'm writing my list of Let's hear it. moments for parents mm-hmm. that's, that sometimes has sadness attached to it. Okay. First day you drop your kid off of preschool. Well, let's start this. Baby's born. Right. Crazy, right? Crazy. Like, what do you do with that? Crazy. First day you drop your kid off of preschool. Terrifying. Like So hard. So hard, right? First day of kindergarten. So hard. First day of first grade, because if you go from a half yeah. day kindergarten to, to a full, full day. Because kindergarten, when my girls were in kindergarten, they would only have a half day and I'd go pick them up. And then that afternoon was so lovely because they would like, we'd eat lunch. Then they'd always watch, they had these favorite shows that they would watch and I'd get work done. And then we'd go pick up, you know, like it was, mm-hmm. there was such a routine to it. And when your kid is then gone all day, mm-hmm. it's very strange mm-hmm. because then you realize there's other adults that they are with longer during the day than you. Yeah. And that's weird. See, and I think the ones I just mentioned were harder than like the transition from eighth grade to high school. I think it's big for the kid, uh-huh. but for our lives, there's really not much different that happens. Yeah. Whereas versus high school, if your kid goes to college, your kid doesn't live with you anymore if they go yeah. away. And then I'm even fast forwarding to weddings. And then like where I want to go is like, Maybe someday you and I will be grandparents, which is crazy to think about, but I hopefully know. someday. I know. Like, and I think when I think of like TV shows and movies about grandparents, um, there's this this like happy cry that happens with a lot of grandparents, right? Uh huh. And I just wonder because I haven't experienced it yet. I'm guessing the happiness is. Oh, I can't believe somebody I helped make just helped make another human being. Sure. Like crazy. Sure. But then it's also like I wonder if like. I can't believe I'm a grandparent. Like I'm on the other side of like, I'm closer to the end than the beginning by decades. For sure. And it's just crazy to think about. Um, I just like wonder about what the emotions are going to be like when that happens. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think we're supposed to know yet. You know, like I, I think that, that, everything you just said is true is that you are so in love with this child because they're your child's child. And at the same time, you're like, Oh my God, my mortality, my, right. my life. Yes. So you can't, that's the like, thing. How did I get here? How did I get here? I think that all the time. Like I honestly, I was telling, um, one of the girls, I was telling JC about my coaching certification that I went to Seattle Pacific University, which she does not remember at all. And I said, yeah, that's why I used to go out to Seattle all the time. And I used to teach for them. And I used to do all this. And I said, the interesting thing is when I started the the Parent Coaching Institute, I was in my early 30s. And I was, and, and this was the case, even my job before, I was always the youngest. You were always the youngest in your job. I was always like, 35 with a bunch of 50 year olds. And they'd be like, how did you know you wanted to do this? And in my 20s, I used to teach um, you know, frontline employees. And I was only like 25. And everyone's like, how'd you, you know, I was always the youngest. And it's so weird now to be like the person that's perceived as like because the older person. We still feel like, <laughs> I still feel like on Saturday mornings, I need to go to the fraternity house and clean, do the, my pledge cleanup. I know what you could do it here. Yeah. You could do the toilets in our house. I didn't want to do it back then. I don't (laughs) want to do it now. Um, So anyways, I don't know where I was going with any of that. I just think think it's fascinating. I think it is acknowledging the transitions. And for those of you that, like, I remember one year, and and I wrote about this um, too, is when my daughters were in fifth, third, and kindergarten, and they were all at the same school. So in the morning, I could walk all three of them to school. You know, it was so like together like it was so like and and it was only going to be one year of their lives where they were all in the school together and that I could like take them all to school together it was just this really beautiful moment that you knew was not I knew it was and I acknowledged it because this is the thing my deep thought about this is part of the reason that every year I think it's important for me to grieve this time and to acknowledge it is it does punctuate time where I do recognize where I am and I don't feel like time goes as fast as people talk about. Mm. I do remember every year. Now, I'm not saying I have a great memory. I'm saying that when I look at pictures, I'm like, yep, I remember. Like I have stopped at, at in late August of every year and been like, wow, like this is where we are. And it's helped me be here yeah, it's forced and, presence. And feel it. So when we're just cruising on autopilot through life, 
and we're not recognizing because we don't want to feel it. We're like, I, I just don't want to deal with this. It's, you know, just you, you kids go to school. We miss out on the opportunity to take it in yeah. and to remember it. And and so to me, the sadness I feel right now or the just the feelings, they're not all sad. They're just some feelings are uncomfortable, uncertainty, anxiety. I'm willing to sit with it because it helps me. It helps me ground. It helps me be like, this is where we are right now, Todd. Yeah. This is the age of our girls. And this is how far we've come. And this is what they're doing. And every year is going to bring about challenges and joys that we couldn't have predicted. Um, I want to give a little space to you because you came to the table with gentleness. Okay. And I don't know if we've, I mean, maybe we talked about it. Is there anything specific that you wanted to go to? I think I, it lends itself well to this because I think something that I have needed for the last, you know, maybe all summer, we've had such an interesting... Um, a lot of COVID. A lot of, just a challenging summer in many ways, but also a very beautiful summer. And that's the thing is like, if I look back on this summer, I will still smile because Todd and I had a lot of, we had really good times um, and really amazing trips, just a lot of illness and a lot of upsetting things that happen. Um, but I think that when I look back, like, uh, you know, and for me, this is all about journaling is there's this space when I journal that's like, what would you like to do today? Or what would you like to bring into your day? And a lot of times I, I envision people, and I don't know this for a fact, but I envision that people write things that they can't control. Mm -hmm. Like I want someone to do something for me, or I want someone to recognize me, or I want to get, you know, I want to get my book deal, or I want someone to hire me, or I want my kids to acknowledge me. And those are things we don't have control over. So if you are going to say, what do I want today? And it's about somebody else doing something for you. You can't do anything to influence it's that. A recipe for unhappiness. Yeah. It, it's like a expectation that you will most likely be disappointed. I mean, it could happen, but it would be fluky. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It, I, I think it would be fluky. So what I tend to write are things like that I'm here um, that I'm so like when it says, you know, what do you hope for today or what's your expectation that I flow with things that I acknowledge things. And then lately I've been writing the word that I'm gentle with myself, which is not a new word. I, if you look at, if I look at all my old stuff, I write about being gentle all the time. And I just really love the word because, um, it's about, it's about not beating yourself up. You know, it's a, I think we, when we think about how we talk to our partners, um, and I hope we talk to our partners, you know, I'm assuming it's graciously, and how we talk to a friend if they're struggling or how we talk to our kid if they're sad, we're really gentle, hopefully, um, and thoughtful. And then we just don't take enough time to remind ourselves to do that with ourselves. And that gentle is it doesn't mean lazy. It doesn't mean um, not taking accountability. It means like a softness in approach that is much, even if it's something like I have to get this done today, let's, I'm going to be gentle on myself while I do it. I'm going to get myself an iced tea first. I'm going to um, sit in a comfortable chair. I'm going to, I'm going to take care of myself even as I complete something that might be difficult. Um, a girlfriend of mine was just saying the other day that she was saying to her son, you know, he was going to his, his, his sport that he does. And she would always say to him, you know, I don't care what happens as long as you do your best when you're there, do your best, do your best. And that's a very common thing that parents say. I, I hear it all the time. But one thing I said back to her is maybe acknowledge that your best is different every day. Like, Honestly, Todd, do you do your best every day in the way that the, the world tells in us? In the way the world tells me to, absolutely not. Right. I can always wake up a little bit earlier. Sure. I can always go a little bit easier on myself. Right. I can always um, work a little bit harder. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing is I think sometimes when we say to our kids, just go to school and do your best, that's that's some heavy language. Like if we can acknowledge instead, um, do today's best. Mm-hmm. You know, do do your best today and and helping them understand, like in, um, you know, in in Don Miguel's um, uh, The Four Agreements, uh, Don Miguel Ruiz, mm -hmm. in The Four Agreements, one of them is about doing your best. Mm -hmm. 
But he's very specific about explaining that doing your best is different every day. Mm. For some people, it means I took a shower. Like if you are struggling with physical pain, emotional pain, grief, uh, chronic pain, um, you may getting out of bed and taking a shower may be the best you could have done today. You know, taking a walk, whatever it may be. Whereas for someone else, doing their best for that day because they have a different kind of energy means that they checked 80 things off their list. But it's very relative. And we have to make sure our we first, a gentleness with ourselves, understand that and also under and help our kids understand that doing your best means utilizing the energy and acknowledging the emotions you have today and then doing what you can from that place because not because if we say to our kids all the time do your best do your best they're that's when they're like oh you know what i mean like there's a pressure there's, to there is yeah and that's for some kids like we've definitely you know we've definitely had days with our girls where we're like just get through it like just go get through it, come home, you're done. Like we don't ask any more of yourself than to just walk in, get, you know, go to the classes and walk home. Yeah. I think the most, <clears throat> the most important teaching and what you just said is, you know, if, if I think it's important that my kid does his or her best and the likelihood of me doing my best right. on a day-to-day basis, right. it's simply not realistic. Right. Like, and I like your do today's best. Like, that's an important language. I want to go back real quick to, um, for most of us, I think it is easier for us to be gentle on others than it is to be on ourselves. Yeah. And I just wonder if you have any thoughts about why that is, because I, that's something I struggle with all the time. Well, I think there's a lot of different um, interpersonal uh, neurobiology aspects of this, you know, and I don't want to get too in the weeds, but it's about how our brain is, you know, how it functions. It's about our history. It's about our trauma. It's about what the ego is there for. It's about how we've processed past challenges, our, our accessibility to emotion. Like there's so many different levels to understanding why we're harder on ourselves. Uh, You know, a very uh, simple part of it is what's the running tape in your head. And a lot of times our running tape is from our parents. Mm -hmm. It's the things we heard them say. It's the things that they said about themselves. It's the things that they said to us. You're not trying hard enough. You don't do well enough. You don't show up. Or let me be positive. You're, you know, um, give yourself a pat on the back today. I'm here for you. Support's always available. That can be a running tape too. And you might have a lot of different running tapes. Like your sister was just saying last night, she was, you know, she's starting a new business and she was just talking about how she recognizes when she's struggling that the running tape is... Um, I can't do this. And then she actually hears something that someone used to say to her and that that she has to like acknowledge that tape to then be able to make a different t- choice and to recognize that that isn't necessarily true. Um, most of the time it isn't. Uh, and so my point is, is that I think that we are, our brains are hardwired to look for threats and we're often in defensive self-protective mode, some of us more so than others. And if we do not, this is where mindfulness comes in. If we do not have an awareness that our brain is a processing machine that thinks about the past and the future and is very focused on things like trauma and challenging experiences because it's been all compartmentalized all over our brain, if we can't separate ourselves from that just a teeny bit and notice that we're the observer of Mm -hmm. it, then we're constantly going to be lost in the autopilot of our brain. Right. So, you know, sorry to get so deep about it, Todd, but it's just the way we are wired. Mm-hmm. And we have to, we can't just let our brain take over. We have to observe it and acknowledge and decide where we're going to pull from. Right. You know, it, it's, you know, when people talk about taking care of your physical health, great, obviously do that. But the fact that we don't take better care of our brain health and that we don't acknowledge how much we need to understand how our brain works, that's where all the choices come from. Mm-hmm. And so I think it should be just as important, if not more important than physical. Um, and um, I also wanted to say that uh, it's sometimes easier for, I was talking to a friend yesterday and he was sharing with me some of his struggles. And I feel like I can connect with him and help him navigate through his problems with clarity because I'm an objective 
observer of Correct. it. Correct, yes. Whereas I don't feel like I have obviously the same objectivity and certainly not the same clarity for me looking at my own issues. Because it's not objective, it's subjective. Right, so it's just, I and I think everything you just said kind of go falls in line with that yeah. same idea. It's just outside of us, I feel like there is um, a clarity and then inside of our own minds, so muddled in there. You know, and that's why people like um, give names to aspects of their personality mm -hmm. because it gives it separates them a little bit from those parts. Like I was actually in the shower yesterday, I was trying to name this aspect of myself that doesn't like this time of year. Like who who is she? What age is she? Like what's she worried about? Where did this begin? And, and I don't have answers for all of that, but I realized I needed to not disregard her or, or, or somehow put her down, but I wanted to acknowledge that it, she's really loud this mm. time of year. And so, I, you know, it's giving her a name. Like when it comes to um, sometimes aspects of addiction where we call that part of ourself a different name or if somebody has an eating disorder, they give the eating disorder a name to help separate it from themselves. Like it is a way to, like I said, mindfulness is a crack of space where you can see the way your brain is operating and recognize that you are the observer of all that. And it gives you a little space and it doesn't mean you're not going to have your feelings and do, it's too, you can't stay away from all of it. Mm. You just can notice it and maybe not be overcome by the tsunami of it. Are you willing to play a game with me? Sure. So I do this uh, thing in my coaching sessions and sometimes I have them name a persona. So okay. name a part of themselves that sometimes gets triggering or reactive or whatever. So, like give them a name, like a, so, like a, like a, a first name. Um, well, like <clears throat> it doesn't matter all the logistics around it, but there's a part of themselves that either comes out really big right, or they push down. Are you going to make me like pretend to be big? No, I'm not going to make you pretend, but okay. I just want through the lens of the one in you that shows up every August uh -huh. and gets a little jacked up uh -huh. because of school. Uh-huh. I just want to ask you some, ask that part of you some questions. Okay, hold on. I need a, a clean, a clean, I'm and, not crying and, or anything. And we should probably name that okay. persona, let's just for fun, let's name that persona. Is it the anxious school time, you know, the, the get back to school? I was trying to name her earlier and I couldn't. So yeah, I, you know, I like the get back to school because that sounds anxiety provoking in itself. Okay, so you know what I mean? we'll call it the get back to school, Kathy, get, or whatever. Get back to school, girl. All right. Get back to school, girl. What is the most important thing to you? Ooh, weird. What came up? Success. Success. Sweet. Um, <laughs> I'm trying. I'm closing my eyes, everybody. You can't see me, but I'm trying to. This is, can I, you stop for a sure. second? So I do EMDR a lot. I, I'm a therapist, but I don't offer EMDR. I receive it from my therapist. And so I can, and because of like the amount of body work I've done in my life, like I can get, like get there kind of fast. And I sometimes don't like my answers. So I'm a little nervous. About <laughs> we what's can always happen. delete, sweetie. Okay. We can always delete. All right. Okay. Um, so get back to school, Kathy. Mm -hmm. What are you most proud of and how you served Kathy's life? I show up every day. How, wh how else are you proud in how you serve Kathy's life? I, <laughs> she's so funny. She, the words, this, it must be really young because it's, she's like, I sparkle and shine. Mm -hmm. That's what she said. So I can tell, again, I'm pulling out of yeah. this again for a second. You're de-rolling. I'm de-rolling. I can tell that she feels like she needs to be on. Mm -hmm. So there's something about get back to school that's like, you need to go out there and be on. So going okay. back to the first question, what's the most important thing Success. to you? Success. And to be on, Yeah, right? and to be on, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So back to school, girl. Okay. When did you first make your appearance in Kathy's life? Second grade. Second grade. Um, and get back to school, girl. Who did you learn your style from? You got to ask me again. I wasn't deep enough. And back to, uh, back to school, girl. Um, who do you learn your style from? Maybe my dad. Like he, he's in, I can't, I can't put those pieces together. I can't see it, but he's who I can see him. So that's who comes to me, my dad. And back to school, girl, what are you most afraid of? Oh, failure. 
failure. Can you get more specific, back to school girl? What what are you afraid of? Oh, being seen. Mm -hmm. And then back to school girl, in your heart of hearts, what do you most want? To relax. And lastly, back to school girl, what is your gift or your essence quality that you give to Kathy? Ask me again. Back to school girl, what is your gift or your essence? Like what is the beautiful part about how you show up in Kathy's life in, in, in the best version of yourself? I got it. Showmanship. Okay. She's good at it. I'm and I'm I can be really good at it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So the reason I go through that with my clients is because there's all these different versions of ourselves that are living inside of us, mm-hmm. right? The critical one, the loving one, and the the uncomfortable quote unquote negative ones, when I first learned this, I'm like, oh, I get it. I just need to get rid of all of these uglier parts of me. Right. And what this exercise helps me do is it actually has gifts to it. So the back to school version of Kathy um, keeps her on task, presents herself in a beautiful way. Mm -hmm. So it's not about shunning that one. Mm -mm. It's loving it and allowing it to show up in a way that it it best can, as opposed to from a place of reactivity. You know what I mean? Oh God, hundred percent. And that's the thing. I think you know, even going through that exercise with you, I love the aspect of myself in school. I'm really good at it. Like, but she also, it's a lot of energy. It's a lot of not alone time. You know what I mean? Like, I am, I am a very. It's so interesting because. She, that aspect of myself is very extroverted. I'm very focused on other people. I'm very focused on work, success, in whatever that means, second grade through 51. And she often needs to be alone, but can't. Mm -hmm. So um, one of my daughters is very vocal about, she's very similar to me, but she's very vocal about, no, I'm going to need some space and time to do this sparkle and shine thing. And and it's not, when I say sparkle and shine, I know it sounds false. It sounds like a false self, but it really is, it, put it this way, think about it this way. Like I'll use, if you are a dancer, you learn how to dance, you practice dancing, you're, you're tripping and falling, whatever, but eventually you have to perform. And that's, that is, it makes you nervous. And and that day you might feel sick to your stomach and you have to go on stage and something bad might happen. But you, the whole thing is about the eventual performance. And so you have to do it. And so for someone saying, well, if that makes you nervous, don't do it. You eventually have to. And that's kind of how I feel about life sometimes is that everything I'm doing is for sometimes these experiences that are very heightened and they make me nervous or they're hard or they're challenging and, and you risk failure. But that's where you're going all the time. You're you're attempting. That's what life is. See, that's what makes you feel alive. But it also can drain you. Mm-hmm. And you also have to balance. You have to recognize when you need to be gentle and that you may need a day where you aren't going to sparkle and shine so much that you can actually just you know, be a little more calm and a little more plain. Mm-hmm. And, well, I and th- yeah, I thought it was interesting. Um, what do you most want is to, would you say relax? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and relax. Let me, let me go deep into that. That word that comes to me is there is an aspect of myself. Cause again, there's layers and layers and layers here. We are onions that does perform and I'm not being myself. I am doing the small talk thing. I'm making everybody else more comfortable. I am people pleasing. And that's what exhausts me. There's a falseness to it. And so I have, I definitely did that all through school. And I watch how my daughters have to do that sometimes. It's it's a it's an aspect of being in community with people. And but we have to acknowledge it and have some time to relax. I it would be so much easier to just be a hundred percent yourself all the time. And that's that's great, but sometimes that's not possible. And it's not realistic. It's not realistic. We have all these different pieces of ourselves that if we're if we're in a place of self-awareness, we can pull from these pieces. And the back to school Kathy just wants to relax. So there's a in essence, there's a part of Kathy that um, wants to give this back to school Kathy permission to chill, to chill out. out right? <laughs> yes. yes. And that is where I have good cries and I say, I need more sleep. And, <clears throat> and I don't know if I will ever 
if she will ever be different. Mm -hmm. She just needs to be noticed and acknowledged. Right. She's always going to be that way. It's so and, deep and in And not me. pushed down and right. not elevated to where she's driving the bus too often. Right. She, you know, as we talk about, you know, <clears throat> that example of driving the car, if she's driving the car at the beginning of every school year, I'm in trouble. Mm -hmm. But she might be in the passenger seat. You know, she might be pretty close by. Mm -hmm. um, as soon as we get into about a month of school, about September, she's in the back seat. Mm -hmm. And then, but she's still sticking around for most of the school year. I think in the summer, she kind of chills and hibernates she, for a little bit. Trunk. Yeah. And so it's just, she comes back out. And she goes from the trunk to the driver's seat. Sweetie, I would never put her in the trunk. Oh, put Where her would I put seat. her? Well, why don't you leave her at home? Yeah, she's day. she's chilling at home yeah, with all the other... Trunk is probably not the best. No, because she wouldn't like that. Well, I just want to appreciate you for being playful with me on this, because mm -hmm. sometimes I never know how it's going to land. And I think people appreciate seeing Kathy do a little bit of work in real time on Zen Parenting Radio. Oh, yeah. Podcast number 671. <laughs> So I do a lot of work. Um, yeah. So yeah, I appreciate that. That's, you know, it's helpful. It's like... Well, that's the thing. It's um, to help each other. What helps me is when I'm equipped to ask really fun, but challenging questions. Mm -hmm. Like it's not about, I didn't give you any advice when I asked any of that. Mm -mm. I simply asked you questions that you kind of had go through your brain and your body and just see what comes out. Mm -hmm. And you're playful around it too. It doesn't necessarily have to be this dealt with the seriousness. Well, the thing that I think that can be difficult for people, and I know, you know, you and I both do this for a living, is that that's why I stopped and I said, I do a lot of EMDR and I do a lot of body work, so it comes up really quick. Mm -hmm. I think it comes up quick for everybody, but we don't trust it. Yeah. And I really have a, a good, that's a good internal, I have a good internal relationship with myself where when I hear sparkle and shine, I know that's the truth. I may want to search for something better. Right. You know, I may want to come across as different, but the truth is those are the words that they just come out. Right. And those you know? are the best ones because yeah. if you start filtering yeah. it through all of your beautiful brain yeah. and wanting it to come out in this special way, mm -hmm. you're not doing the work as it's designed to do, which is just get the first thing that shows up, there's value in it one way or the other. You're using your mind, yeah. you know, and you're also trying to be appropriate. Mm -hmm. You're trying to like, I don't want to be that person who feels the need to do this or that. Um, I, and the truth is it's not about being a good or bad. It's just about telling the truth. Like this is something I have learned to do. And there are aspects of myself that, that struggle with that, that other aspect of myself. Like we're, we're in, we've got all these people in our mind and body and, and we have these internal struggles with each other but they all are important even the especially the hurt 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 parts of ourselves they don't want to hurt us more they just want to know that they're that they're loved that's it yeah. like and and the girl who you know who who wants to be successful and sparkle and shine and be seen as a showman she's important mm -hmm. and sometimes she comes off a little egocentric and sometimes she needs a lot of attention and sometimes she needs everyone to know how smart she is and sometimes and there's aspects of that but i see that mm -hmm. and it, and it doesn't mean it's less annoying for somebody but i know well and the fact that you just said i see that i see that what you're saying is you observe the one in you yes. that sometimes shows up from a place of reactivity right. or or sometimes you see that sometimes you push her down right. in an unhealthy way. Right. And the, the trick is the fact that you disidentify because what happens where we usually get into trouble is when there's a part of us that starts driving the car and we're right. not even aware that they're driving the car. The angry, critical, hypercritical, judgmental one. If we can create some space in between that one and and us as the observer, then we're on our way. And then that's when we say things like, that's just who I am, and I'm a bad person. Yeah. Or I, And the thing is, is you're not, not a bad person. Right. There's a piece of you that's hurt, or mm. there's a part of you that's not acknowledged, and it is going to scream and cry until, until you, you see it, yeah. and until you feel it, and you understand why it's there. Mm. Because 99.9% .9 of the time, it was something that helped you. It was a defensive mechanism. It was a way of protecting yourself. It was something that came up that saved your life. It was something you had to do to not be hurt. Like you, there, these aspects of ourselves are not evil. Mm -hmm. They are pieces that were created or, or separated from to survive. Mm -hmm. And this is, and this is very, um, we can know it intellectually. I, I hear a lot of therapists, a lot of coaches explain these things, 
But doing this internally is a whole other experience. It's not an intellectual experience. It's a body experience. And it's a self-trust experience. So It's um, a body experience. It's an emotional experience. It is not a thought exercise. No, it's not a thought exercise. Which is where I sometimes stumble. You have to release your thoughts, which is why, if you guys noticed when we were doing that, I had to say to Todd, ask me again, because Mm -hmm. I was in my mind. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, drop back in, drop Mm -hmm. back in, Mm -hmm. and then... Because if he, if my mind answers, I'm going to lie. Yeah. Not not lie. That's the wrong word. I'm going to say a good thing. Yeah, you're posturing. You want yeah. to be viewed. Yeah. You're, you're it's not a lie. Using this exercise as an opportunity to be viewed in a certain yeah. way, yeah. which is not the most pure way. It's not the uh, it for me. Th- that's why I use the word lie. Is yeah. I'm differentiating it between what's really honest. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a practice, um, you know, and no, it's it's really good. And, and I, I know we're wrapping up, but the gentle word that we're using is be gentle with every aspect of yourself. Be gentle with every feeling you're having. Berating yourself does not help. It's like berating a little child that lives inside of you. And for those of you who, who like Zen Parenting Radio, you know that doesn't help. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who are still more authoritarian, you may think that helps, but it doesn't. It actually drives them further internally where they're now going to act out behaviorally instead of trying to show up in a different way that's maybe more um, uh, one that you can see and one that you can kind of support in yourself. Instead, it's going to come out through all different ways that that you that may not you may be more reactive is what I'm trying to say. Um, a few quick announcements. We have a Zen Talk, um, oh, the 29th at noon. We would love to see if you want to talk to Kathy and Todd, Kathy and I in real time. Jimmy. Uh, um, <laughs> please get on, 25 bucks a month, and it's a really sweet community. Hope you decide to join us. Um, if there's any guys out there that want to connect authentically with other guys, I'm the executive director of Men Living. Kathy's got an amazing book uh, called Zen Parenting. Caring for, for ourselves, ourselves and, and our, our children. children. I get distracted because I'm looking at the book and I don't need to read it. Yeah, the two things that, you know, Todd always talks about men living and they have so many good um, opportunities. They actually follow them on Instagram because they actually list all of the activities they have every week. So there's something for everyone. And on Team Zen, which is what Todd and I do together, it's our you know virtual community. Our community, when they get to know each other, they start to break out into little communities. And right now, they're, through Team Zen, there's a group that are um, supporting each other through separation or divorce. So if any of you are going through that or are contemplating that or you know, have been thrust into that. Um, we have a community. Or have been through it. Or have been through it. And you can support some of these other people That's that good are too. in it right now. Yeah, like say you're coming out on the other side and you're like, I have some wisdom to share. We have a group that's begetting that you may want to be a part of yeah. because you can offer your wisdom. And so, um, just you know. Just shoot me an email at Todd, yeah. Todd at Men Living, uh, sorry, Todd at ZenParentingRadio.com. Or just join Team Zen. Or just join Team Zen and then I'll get you the info on that. Uh, and then don't forget, uh, Jeremy Kraft, he's a bald-headed beauty, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area, 630-956-1800, avidco.net, and uh, toddadamscoaching.com. If there's any guys out there that want to get one-on-one support, just go to toddadamscoaching.com. And can I just say one thing, because I wrote it down, and I just want to mention it as we're leaving. So this last Zen Parenting moment that I wrote... Um, I uh, hyperlinked to another article that I'd written about back to school. And this very, very strange thing happened. Um, It was an article that I had written many, many years ago when my daughters were in fifth, third, and kindergarten, and I had written about how hard this time of year was. And the strange thing that happened was is I hadn't linked to this blog. It was a Chicago Tribune blog that I used to be a part of for years. And And I hadn't linked to it in a really long time. And the day I linked to it, the Chicago Tribune took down the entire blog site. It was called Chicago Now, and there was hundreds of us that used to blog on it. And they're all, I know, they just took it down. If you guys didn't know, Chicago Tribune was bought by an organization that's known for kind of uh, reorganizing papers, shall we say. And all of a sudden, all these things I've written over the course of you know, uh, years and years and years, they're just gone. And, and I, and so many other people that, that I wrote with in Chicago now, all their work is just gone. So I just thought that was really weird that I had linked to it and that that day it got taken down. Isn't that strange, Todd? Coincidental. And one more coincidental thing, cause it happened yesterday is one of my girlfriends who was dropping her daughter off at college. 
she was, I, I, she and I had talked a couple weeks ago and it was going to be a big drop off. And for some reason yesterday in the car, um, I was thinking about her. She came into my head. So I texted her and said, have you done the drop off yet? And she said, I just did it five minutes ago. <laughs> right? Man, you got, when things come into your mind, if they are like, I want to reach out to this person or whatever, I say do it because... You know what I did? What? Uh, I reached out to a friend who I haven't talked to in a long time, and he has been struggling, and he said the timing of our conversation was absolutely perfect. Absolutely. I think we we already know this, but we are interconnected by energy. We all come from the same source. Again, I'm not, you know, whatever that means to you, we are all here and and created and connected to help each other and support each other. And we have these intuitive feelings and these intuitive hits and they are empathetic, connective tissue, you know? And we're not gonna be able to access every single time it comes up, we're not perfect people, but occasionally these cool coincidences remind us how interconnected we are. So onward. Onward and upward, this is what we're gonna do. Thank you, everybody, for joining us on Zen Parenting Radio. We hope to see you next week. Keep on trucking. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you have appreciated or enjoyed a decade of Zen Parenting Radio podcasts, please tell a friend or leave a five-star review. We are always grateful for your support. If you want more Zen Parenting, consider joining Team Zen, pre-ordering Kathy's Zen Parenting book, or subscribing to Zen Parenting Moment. You can find these opportunities and more at zenparentingradio.com. If you want to connect through social networking, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Keep trucking, and we will talk to you again next week.